This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of wear and osteolysis basic science from the recon section on orthobullets.com. Osteolysis represents a histiocytic response to wear debris. The steps in the process include 1. Particulate debris formation, 2. Macrophage-activated osteolysis, 3. Prosthesis micromotion, and 4. Particulate debris dissemination. Again, the four steps of wear and osteolysis are 1. Particulate debris formation, 2. Macrophage-activated osteolysis, 3. Prosthesis micromotion, and 4. Particulate debris dissemination. As far as the evaluation of wear and osteolysis, radiostereometric analysis is the most accurate and precise technique to evaluate polyethylene wear. This uses radio-opaque tantalum beads planted in the bone to follow the position of the components relative to the beads on radiographs. Now, let's go over each of the steps in the process of wear and osteolysis in a bit more detail. We'll talk about particulate type and finally particulate size. So with respect to types of wear, there are five major types of wear to know. Adhesive wear, abrasive wear, third body wear, volumetric wear, and linear wear. Adhesive wear is the most important in the osteolytic process. Microscopically, polyethylene sticks to the prosthesis and debris gets pulled off. Abrasive wear has a cheese grater effect on the prosthesis, scraping off particles. In third body wear, particles in the joint space cause abrasion and wear. Volumetric wear is the main determinant of the number of particles created. This is directly related to the square of the radius of the head. Volumetric wear more or less creates a cylinder, and the formula to calculate volumetric wear is V equals pi R squared times W, where V represents volumetric wear, R is the radius of the head, and W is linear head wear. Remember that head size is the most important factor in predicting particles generated. Finally, linear wear is measured by the distance the prosthesis has penetrated into the liner. Next, we'll talk about how wear leads to particulate debris formation. So as far as wear rates by material, we'll talk about polyethylene, ceramics, and metals. So with respect to polyethylene, non-cross-linked ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene wear rate is 0.1 to 0.2 millimeters per year. Linear wear rates greater than 0.1 millimeters per year has been associated with osteolysis and subsequent component loosening. Highly cross-linked ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene generates smaller wear particles and is more resistant to wear, but has reduced mechanical properties compared to conventional, non-highly cross-linked polyethylene. Factors increasing wear in total hip arthroplasty include things like thickness less than 6 mm, malalignment of the components, patients less than 50 years old, male gender, and a higher activity level. Remember that femoral head sizes between 22 and 46 millimeters in diameter do not influence wear rates of ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene. With respect to ceramics, ceramic bearings have the lowest wear rates of any bearing combination with 0.5 to 2.5 microns per component per year. Ceramic on polyethylene bearings have varied, ranging from 0 to 150 microns. Ceramics have a unique complication of stripe wear occurring from liftoff separation of the head gate. Recurrent dislocations or incidental contact of the femoral head with the metallic shell can cause a quote lead pencil-like marking that leads to increased femoral head roughness and polyethylene wear rates. Finally, with respect to metals, metal-on-metal metal produces smaller wear particles as well as lower wear rates than those for metal-on-polyethylene bearings 
ranging from 2.5 to 5 microns per year. Titanium used for bearing surfaces has a high failure rate because of a poor resistance to wear and notch sensitivity. Remember that metal-on-metal -metal wear stimulates lymphocytes. And remember that metal-on-metal -metal serum ion levels are greater with a cup abduction angle of greater than 55 degrees and smaller component size. Moving on to particulate type, ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene is the most common. Other particulate types include PMMA, cobalt chrome, titanium, and third-body particulate wear. As far as particulate size, it is typically less than 1 micron. Moving on to step 2 of wear and osteolysis, which is macrophage-activated osteoclastogenesis and osteolysis. So we'll talk about macrophage activation and osteoclast activation as well as osteolysis. So with respect to macrophage activation, this of course results in macrophage activation and further macrophage recruitment. Macrophages release osteolytic factors or cytokines, including TNF-alpha, osteoclast-activating factor, oxide radicals, hydrogen peroxide, acid phosphatase, interleukins such as IL-1 and IL-6, and prostaglandins. The important one to remember is TNF-alpha. If you're going to remember any of those, remember TNF-alpha. With respect to osteoclast activation and osteolysis, an increase of TNF-alpha increases rank, and an increase of VEGF with ultra-high molecular weight polyethylene enhances rank and rank L activation. With respect to rank L mediated bone resorption, an increase in the production of rank and rank L gene transcripts leads to osteolysis. Moving on to step 3, which is prosthesis micromotion, osteolysis surrounding the prosthesis leads to micromotion. Micromotion leads to an increase in particle wear and furthers prosthesis loosening. And telopeptide urine levels are a marker of bone turnover and are elevated in osteolysis. Finally, let's talk about step 4, which is debris dissemination. Remember that an increase in hydrostatic pressure leads to dissemination of debris into the effective joint space. Keep in mind that increased hydrostatic pressure is the result of the inflammatory response. Dissemination of debris into the effective joint space further propagates osteolysis. A circumferentially coated prosthesis limits osteolysis in the distal femur. That's all for this review about wear and osteolysis basic science. Hopefully that was helpful. Look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session, and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.